0: World Class, Jim Crockett Promotions, Big Time Wrestling, Mid-South, $2 Late Presents, Territory Marks, with Paul London and Zach Schaefer, the show that celebrates matches from the glory days of professional wrestling, from one man who lives it, and another man who loves it.
1: Paul, it's episode 5. Some people consider this a lucky number, I consider it a, well, a lucky number too. (laughs) I think this episode is going to be filled with lightning bolts, a lot of lightning bolts in this episode.
0: (laughs) As there should be. What else would you expect from professional wrestling than to be struck by lightning? (laughs) Right?
1: I mean, come on. Greater tragedies in life have resulted from said lightning. Um, You brought a match to the table. I brought a match to the table that are going to be really unique and special yet again. Um, This episode is coming off the heels of our $2 six-question segment with Jill Sholin. We just launched that one. Jill Sholin, of course, from... You know, genre people love her from Stepfather, Popcorn, The Curse, Bite Part 2. I love her from That Was Then, This Is Now. I love her from, uh, well, a movie called Thunder Alley from 1985. I don't know that one. I think you need to watch that one. Thunder Alley stars Jill Sholin, Leif Garrett. Okay. And and Clancy Brown. Oh, kind of
0: love Mr. Krabs.
1: Yeah, so it is canon. It's a canon movie. Love it's it. canon's answer to, a, 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 I mean, a Star Is Born. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a precursor to La Bamba. It's got these elements of like you know rock and roller uh, who is afraid to get the to grab the golden ring. Uh, but his buddy pushes him into it, but then his buddy brings him down. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of lot of great tunes, great music in it. It's
0: I, free on YouTube. And- I can hear uh, Menachem Golan and Joram Globus being like, you know what, maybe we didn't do so well with the Apple, but let's go back and let's try a music movie again. I have an idea for Thunder Alley.
2: Yes, it's it's set in... uh, Thunder Alley is a real place in Arizona. It's going to be great. Uh, You know, we can go there and film, you know, and spend, like, an obscene amount of money on location and nothing on actor, because who cares about actor? Like, it's just meat. Yeah? Yeah, you've seen Death Wish, Charles Bronson, and everyone else, who cares? Jeff Goldblum? Never become a big actor someday. We get Liv Garrett Academy Award. Jill Sean, Academy Award. I can see it right now. Let's order the
0: takeout and let's eat in the office and make sure don't throw away the trays because we can use them again.
2: Yes, go get that guy in the lobby who's always complaining. Uh, he wants to be in movies. Jean-Claude, uh, Jean-Claude Van Garbage. Yeah. What is his name? Yes, with the splits and the kicks and the tight pants.
0: I like him. I like his butt. Let's make him big star. Big
2: star. Yes, he, he does great one-cheek sneak. He gets cigarette to go out with his Turkis. Yes, yes. I think he's doing movie with Arnold
0: Schwarzenegger right now. In yes, Mexico. Big, gonna be blockbuster. Yes, yes. But we'll we'll get him fired off of that. We we have three picture deal in mind. Anyways, yes, <laughs> Thunder Alley. It'll be beautiful.
1: Well, Thunder Alley actually, you know, just dawned on me as we're talking about Menahem Golan um it came in on 1985 your match uh was in is from 1985 as well big so whopper, kinda...
0: big whopper and i will sneak in. uh i know we're kind of just touching a few things on pop culture here but you know me i like to really uh i'm not i'm not so much a, a glass half full or half empty guy i'm a i'm a grass overflowing kind of guy <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll rock you later uh in due time with the top 10 um, I don't think there's any canon. There, I think there is actually. Uh, oh. Yeah, we'll see.
1: Well, I hope there's a connection to my childhood yet again because uh, it gave me an excuse in the last episode to play clips from when I was playing with my toys when I was I don't know ten or eleven years old. So, shouting out BraveStar.
0: I still, I still play with them. Actually, my recent trip to Cleveland. Uh, my good buddy Chris from Bulletproof Action who's uh, one of our faithful uh, listeners.
1: Oh yeah. Uh,
0: gifted me this amazing scarecrow from Super Friends.
1: Wow, it's a Migo doll, uh Mego inspired doll, the the scarecrow figure from the Super Friends cartoon from the 80s right. and oh my gosh, it is so amazing. It's creepy. Um yeah super creepy. That's nightmare inducing almost as nightmare inducing as the night of the scarecrow movie that came out back in the day with um, Charles Durning. Did you ever see that one?
0: Are you talking about dark night of the scarecrow?
1: Yeah. Sorry. Dark night of the scarecrow. Ah, yeah,
0: With um, Larry Drake.
1: Yes. Playing yet again, another special needs person. That's
0: right, He was really good at those. You know, it was a bit of a precursor for Dr. Googles.
1: Well, he goes, he comes out in dark man. And I'm like, Darkman, man because i think he was in dark man 3 or dark man 2 die dark man die one of those movies the first
0: three i think he played durant or durant he, he was, was
1: in the first three yeah he was the big bad guy and i'm like how can i take this guy seriously after seeing him be such a goofy i love boy?
0: dark Knight of the scarecrow i think that's one of the most underrated tv movies I mean, I could say ever, because I'm an overflowing glass kind of guy, but certainly of the, uh, was that early 80s,
1: right? Or was- It was. Yeah. It, it was. Actually, I broke it down with my co-host, Corey, on uh, Podcasting After Dark. Scene by scene, we broke that movie down. Oh, wow. And, and we determined that it is a a, a very underrated classic 80s yep. film. He plays that Bubba. That is dark as hell.
0: Bubba, the ill-fated, s- slow country
1: hick. Get- yeah, and Charles Durning playing the most evil son of a bitch right. I've ever seen. That's right. ever.
0: And then he would go on later to be a, a special <laughs> type in uh, L.A. Law, wasn't it? Was that it,
1: Larry Drake? Yeah,
0: yeah, Larry Drake. Oh, he's great. I lo-
1: I think he got an Emmy for that. He might have got an Emmy so.
0: for that. If not that, then hopefully, I hope he got some sort of consideration for Doctor Giggles at least.
1: And Charles Durning went on. Well, no he was either right before this or right after this. He was in Tootsie oh, yeah. making the moves on Dustin Hoffman. And he was so bummed out when he found out Dustin Hoffman was a dude.
0: Oh man. How, how foretelling the <laughs> times we are in. Uh <laughs> I know, you know, I'm curious if Jill Sholin went out for Dr. Giggles cause it seems like it would have been right in that kind of time period. I know that it was, I
1: think, yeah dr giggles came out in 92 i believe i think yeah and she she retired uh if you if you guys listen to her interview if not check it out uh she retired in 1991 from acting for Uh for quite some time to to have uh raise a family interesting well and now she's back oh she is back that's great yep she's back in the new york groove i can't talk about the movie she's doing right now because they're currently being shot and filmed and bada bing bada boom but she's got some fun stuff in the down in the pipe. Dr.
0: Giggles too. You never know it's never too late.
1: Dr. Giggles two died Dr. Giggles die.
0: Right, right. An apple a day will
2: <laughs> kill you. I, don't, I I'm I'm coming out of retirement to make Dr. Giggles part four. Oh the the return of the Root Canal <laughs> What?
0: Rest in peace, Menachem Rest in
2: peace. I'm coming back from the grave. Oh, I would lived- <laughs> I'm gonna go down to the pizza pita kitchen in uh, Sherman Oaks, California. Pita Kitchen's great. I lived right
1: above that place. Did you really? My first th- my first spot when I moved to LA. Yeah.
0: Van Eyes and Dickens. <laughs> yeah. I lived right off of Dickens. Oh, you did? Corner. That was my first spot in LA as well. I Dude the Box was at Dickens box on the corner right there. That yeah.
1: I was friends with the people that live down there or that own that place really
0: nice yeah very nice asian family yep um very nice yeah i love pita kitchen they know me by name at pita kitchen believe it or not that's how often Whoa. i went
2: there <laughs> wow do they have a picture on the wall of you next to Manaham? no they did
0: not want to pay the uh the twenty dollars for autograph photo but that's okay we've got plenty of their plastic wear and brought it back to the office
2: that's good
1: do you know that the little newsstand that's next to the PETA kitchen was uh, used in the movie Jake Speed? Oh, really? I'm not familiar with Jake yeah. Speed, but I'm not surprised because that was a
0: glorious newsstand. It sure was. allowed you to browse for five minutes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen Jake Speed, then you have not seen a fantastic uh, Romancing the Stone-esque ripoff film. It's Wonderful new world pictures love it yeah
0: around the corner from that said newsstand uh going west on van Nuys, was actually the stone facade is still there because i don't know if you remember there was a great secondhand dvd cd record store called second spin yes i uh, sure do yeah, that was oh that was my go-to spot but right next to that was the famous Sherman Oaks Karate, which was owned by Chuck Norris uh, for a while and was the, the karate dojo featured at the beginning of No Treat, No Surrender.
2: Oh, wow.
0: So that whole bit right there is right off of Ventura. That whole karate dojo there is right off of Ventura. And then later it would go on to, it would it would change ownership. I want to say Ernie Krasnew. Might have been the last owner. Uh, his daughter Michelle the Mouse Krasnu was a championship karate competitor, featured in Kickboxer Four: The Aggressor. <laughs> I know. Just speechless. I know. I have nothing to say right now. I'm I just... mean, you can't go wrong with Sasha Mitchell and Michelle the Mouse Krasnu.
1: No, no. Anyone who has has mouse as a nickname is She's just not, money in my book. He
0: was like four feet. 11 or something, but championship
1: cardi competitor. So, right on. What nice. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm going to kick your ass. Whoa, um, I'm going to treat you like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I, I was trying to find a perfect segue to tee up your match for tonight. Um, one right for but you.
0: I got one right for you because Dr. Giggles, right, was filmed in Portland, Oregon, if you didn't oh, know that. And Portland, Oregon is home to one of the competitors in the match that I chose. A mister, his shoot name was William Haynes, but he went by the name Billy Jack Haynes. As many would recognize him as Billy Jack
1: Haynes. So, Wow. Wow. Well, let's ring that bell. Let's do it. Your pick for tonight is from the year 1985. Uh, will you tell us? Tell us who, uh, who, what, and where, when, how, and why?
0: Uh, why is debatable. However, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a match that aired November 9th, nineteen eighty-five. This is from the Jim Crockett Promotions (NWA), and it is a match between Billy Jack Haynes versus the Dubious Thunderfoot with J.J. Dillon as his pesky, uh, you know, mousy manager.
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Superstation Championship Challenge Series. Billy Jack Haynes against Thunderfoot, managed by J.J. Dillon.
0: You know, J.J. made a comment when he was walking into the ring. He said, we're going to find out what the muscle hit is really made of today. I think fans all over the world know what Billy Jack is made of. Look at the the boots. Look at the boots right there. there are two different kinds, and that's what a lot of fans, wrestlers, object to. They say that he has something in one of those boots. A lot of wrestlers swear up and down. Billy Jack's got something in those arms, like steel. You been Thunderfoot? Oh yeah, and Thunderfoot. I you know I wasn't too familiar with him, but Thunderfoot. Uh, <laughs> Shoot name was well he went he was Joel Deaton and he actually he trained um, or he got brought in by one of the Andersons there's like a thousand of them at this point
2: <laughs>
0: but he teamed with David Deaton and they were the Deaton brothers but then they went okay. on to form a team known as the Thunderfoots
1: oh uh, the Thunderfoots
0: <laughs> yeah I I mean would you call them the Thunderfeet I don't <laughs> the, th- the Thunderfeet
1: yeah I mean, <laughs> I don't
0: know. yeah so. Uh, and the big gimmick with Thunderfoot, and I think this is one of the things that really stood out to me. <laughs> Sorry, I
1: got you
0: know, every time. like yeah, you just keep them coming. Uh, which which foot did it stand out to you on?
1: Um, well, I have to tell you in a in a little bit. I'll have to tell you the the Thunderfoot story. I have. I can't wait. I can't
0: wait. Um,
1: but I'll get to that later.
0: It sounds like an early Lou Diamond Phillips Val Kilmer project, doesn't it? Oh, um, it does. But I might be mixing up my thunders and feet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, I um, growing up, I think as as you did, I was a big fan of pro wrestling. Oh yeah, and yeah, and uh, Starman was definitely a go-to, if not Amazon. Oh, same. You know, and would you say Amazon was probably the precursor for Blanca and Street Fighter?
1: Oh, for sure. Was Amazon the uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon-looking one?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right on your head. And that was, you know, the most annoying attack when you're playing against somebody using Amazon. It was like, quit biting me! And you'd try to, like, knock the controller out of their hands so you could kind of get an advantage. Yeah, so... Um, but having loved Tecmo Pro Wrestling, I, I always really loved Starman and he was fully covered from head to toe uh in like a purple outfit with a star on his face. Yes. So uh Thunderfoot has none of these athletic uh capabilities that Starman did. However, he is fully covered from head to toe in kind of a silver body suit outfit thing. Uh yeah. I, it's not really a bodysuit because it's not a onesie, but he's just, he's fully covered in silver. He's got the lightning um, on his tights. He's got Thunderfoot, I think, on one side of his tights. And when the camera closes in on his feet, because this was unknown to me, but I quickly took notice and then they filled me in. We had, um, I want to say uh, Crockett and Shivani on commentary. Yes. Yep. Um, You notice that he's wearing black boots and one of the boots, his left boot has white sole and Mm -hmm. his right boot has a black sole. So his right boot is completely black, black boot, black sole. And his left boot is black boot with white sole. And you're sitting there thinking, huh? Okay. Interesting. So the gimmick is that Thunderfoot, would load his boot, which we will see towards the end of this match. Um, And he would use that by kicking opponents in the head and gaining the victory there. So without further ado, we have Billy Jack Haynes versus Thunderfoot. And real quick, I'm going to touch on this note because I found this uh, as I was checking out Billy Jack Haynes' uh, backstory. Yeah, definitely uh, from Portland. He actually went to the Stu Hart uh, dungeon to train uh Billy Jack Haynes did. So he trained uh originally under Stu Hart. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, came up in Portland. If you didn't know that, you can see that he has Oregon across his ass on the tights. Uh
1: which I think in case you forget.
0: Yeah, just in case, right? Um but funny enough, he started uh wrestling under his shoot name and then adopted Billy Jack. And he was just wrestling as Billy Jack. Until he was threatened by one Tom Laughlin who threatened to sue him shocker, for being Billy Jack. And that's why he wow. incorporated his shoot last name onto it as Billy Jack Haynes. So, and for those of you yeah, because familiar, Tom Laughlin was the title character. He is and was the Billy Jack from the film series. I think they put out what, four or five of those?
1: Something like that. I Wasn't the first one... It wasn't titled Billy Jack. The first one was like Born Losers or something like that. The
0: Born Losers and it has an amazing little soundtrack on it too. But it's it's uh yeah Billy... from the late '60s, I believe. It was yeah.
2: it was
1: around the Vietnam era.
0: Right, right. He was like a a, a former Marine who's part Native American and uh, helped save this small town from a bunch of bikers, a bunch of hoodlums, yep. some born losers
1: the first uh first martial art technically the first american martial art film i believe oh wow and he wore like he wore that like a badge of honor oh. i think he ran for governor of arizona at some point too you know and would always be like you know i was in the first american martial art movie <laughs> well we'll we'll associate
0: that part of this match with the flat-brimmed hat title of yes uh of this segment so um yeah, I, I was really impressed. I, I can't say I had ever actually seen a full Billy Jack Haynes match. I mean, I know that he'd had kind of those chain match feuds with Hercules uh, you know, in WWF. And um he's a big guy. I mean, he's six three, he was about two fifty. Um maybe not as standout impressive today when there's so many giants of you know yeah. that size. But at the time, I mean, this guy was just—he he was huge. He was absolutely just a, a mega star in appearance, and I was really marveling at his at his ability. Extremely
1: athletic guy. Uh, well, as uh, as as David Crockett said, <clears throat> oak arms, arms the size of oak trees. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he had. That's I'm right. like, oh well, thank you for the clarification David Crockett. Right, like we can't see that his <laughs> arm his biceps have biceps
0: which have biceps. I mean the guy is Yes. jacked. Absolutely. He's jacked. Yeah, he it, for those who might remember Steve Blackman, um oh, totally good comparison. Yeah, very similar. And Steve Blackman, funny enough, uh trained with the Hearts as well. Or initially Really? Uh, yeah, and the, in the heart, uh, I want to say he trained up in Calgary um, and began his career early on as a job guy. So, um,
1: but they have very Yeah, vastly underutilized in the WWF. I agree.
0: And an absolute legit martial artist and badass yep. Steve Blackman. Um, actually, someone sent me a clip that Steve Blackman has like a lawman show or something. I need to. I'll, really? I'll, I see that to you. Uh, right not to be confused with Seagal's lawman uh or tracks lawman shows but we digress um billy jack haynes just yeah he just absolutely swole this guy um so early on right we see uh jj Dillon. he's the pesky manager at ringside and i love that this is in studio this is one of those in studio matches where it's yeah. a very intimate uh setting you know, you have the announce, like the broadcast table kind of off to the side, and then you have kind of the three way uh, stands with fans, uh, you know, like bleachers basically. And they're pretty rabid throughout because this is 1985 and pro wrestling is real. Um, but, you know, you get Thunderfoot who tries to go with the early deep knee to the gut. Tries to do a few other things and then quickly out of nowhere, Billy Jack Haynes just gorilla presses him like nothing. Just <laughs> li- no. And Thunderfoot's not like a small guy either, right? He's I mean, he, no. you know.
1: No, he's tall. He's at least six four. I right? mean,
0: yeah, he was he's he's tall. He's yeah, definitely like in the six two to six four range, kind of husky individual. Uh yeah. not explain why he was covering his whole body with a bodysuit.
1: Yeah, not the most fit guy compared to B- Billy Jack, who looks like a, a, a you know, an Adonis. He looks like Hercules. He looks like Lou Ferrigno and Hercules.
0: Basically. Right, right. Mind you, I wear uh, full coverage as well, but that's not important. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not 6'3". But, uh, yeah, just gorilla presses him and tosses him like nothing. And, you know, so Thunderfoot's trying to find other beans to get around him. It's not working. What I was really impressed with, um, aside from just his appearance, was Billy Jack Haynes' athleticism. You know, he's yeah working the first part of this match kind of steamboat esque in that he's totally a lot of arm drags. Um, he's working the arm, you know, he puts him in a hammer lock. Um, he's really working that arm of Thunderfoot, who tries what he can to to get out of it. You know, throwing him a couple shoulders in the ropes, and then. You know, hitting the ropes, and then Billy Jack Haynes is, is hitting with flying tackles. There's a there's a point where he does the test of strength, and um, clearly that's not any test to Billy Jack Haynes, who uh, gets the test of strength, lowers Thunderfoot's hands to the mat, and instead of doing the step on the feet or a step on the hands uh, kind of deal he ends up locking Thunderfoot's head in between his knees and does the big jump and come back down on your feet, which I can only imagine um, is like a a vibration of violent proportions on Thunderfoot's right. You know what I mean? Just gave him complete vertigo uh, and a concussion wrapped up with uh, a nice uh, cherry on top of CTE um
1: i mean legit probably i mean it's a really cool move it,
0: it's 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 kind of funny but it's a yeah not not a, i'm gonna start incorporating that move actually um <laughs> but keeps he getting the other the, you know the, there's no task here like billy jack haynes in control firm control firm control um he eventually gets thunderfoot over to the corner and at this time we see raging bull manny fernandez actually come out to ringside or to the commentary table um and talk about, you know, it's tough to see his friend, Billy Jack Haynes, uh, basically having to contend with two people because he's got the dreaded Thunderfoot uh, in the ring and he's got J.J. Dillon snaking around on the outside to contend with as well. Mind you, uh, Manny Fernandez isn't leaving the announcers or the commentators booth to do anything about it, but he just keeps talking about um, how it's tough to watch as a friend, you know, and he knows that Billy Jack Haynes will persevere and he'll make it through, and as this is going I
1: wrote that down too.
0: Yeah, he uh, he takes Thunderfoot to the corner, and I thought it was a pretty interesting little uh heat spot. We see JJ Dillon kind of reach between Thunderfoot's feet to grab Billy Jack Haynes' foot, and he kind of pulls it to where uh Haynes' leg is now kind of intertwined into Thunderfoot's leg which causes the distraction. And then there's the cheap shot and we're often running with Thunderfoot, getting the upper hand and, uh, kind of really laying the boots to him. He's doing all sorts of, uh, you know, elbow drops and and knee drops and doing what he can to kind of keep the big man grounded. And, uh, and we, we still have Manny Fernandez talking about, see, this is what I'm talking about. I just, I can't believe this. It's really hard for me to watch. You know, I'm, 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 you know, six feet away, but I'm not going
1: to do anything. Uh, and uh, so, and then keep, and he keeps reminding everybody that if if he and I were tag team partners, we'd storm the world. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah. Well, you don't appear to be the best tag team partner from six, seven feet away, but we'll take your word for it, Manny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I have actually um, ventured into uh, some nightclubs with Manny Fernandez before. Really? Uh, he was quite the character. I'll just say that. Yeah. For for people who do independence on the Carolinas, everyone has a story about Manny Fernandez crashing a show and uh, basically cornering the booker to just put him on the show and bam, even if he wasn't booked at all. I mean, that's that's kind of the last reputation I heard of Manny Fernandez. But
1: Well, that tracks with kind of what happens at the end of the match. Why With their little interview segment. But.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um
1: yeah, we'll get to that later. So
0: we see Thunderfoot uh go to the well one too many times. He had already given Billy Jack Haynes a um uh you know kind of a backdrop earlier. He goes for it again. Billy Jack Haynes clubs him in the back. Uh starts kind of booting his way back up. He's he's reviving himself and then he just he's had enough and he and now Thunderfoot knows that he's in trouble. And we start seeing a bit more of the um Ricky the Dragon Steamboat kind of offense, and that you're getting some kind of martial arts um maneuvers. I not so much chops or karate, but definitely in the posturing, it's kind of the totally right, right. And mind you, Billy Jack Haynes, after he did that, that um head in the knees kind of head jacker thing earlier he followed it up with an insane uh drop kick i forgot to mention which was really cool it actually kind of ended up looking kind of like a a one-footed drop kick kind of uh kind of thing which was just very impressive again for the guy that yeah. dies, um but nonetheless he's actually making his comeback now he's firing in all cylinders gaining momentum um grabs him in kind of like a half nelson Waist lock combination in which JJ Dillon then hops up, causes the distraction. Billy Jack Haynes, uh, leaves Thunderfoot to go see what you know. I've had enough of this JJ Dillon at ringside. Oh, another thing I forgot to mention sorry, was uh, during the heat while Thunderfoot was applying some different holds, um, and his feet, you know, if, if he had Billy Jack Haynes in kind of like a rear naked chin lock or something. And he's, you know, laying down on the mat. You would see J.J. Dillon reaching uh, across from under the bottom rope and putting his hand on Thunderfoot's, on the bottom of Thunderfoot's foot, as if that was giving Thunderfoot more leverage to apply. Yeah. You know, and I I thought that was a very interesting um, kind of little cheat maneuver there. I hadn't seen that one before of just... I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a brace to to kick back on so you can really choke this sucker out um
1: pretty... <laughs> hey my son bought it my son bought because we watched this match together and Bodhi's like why is he doing that and I said well he sees he's, he's pushing down on his foot it's it's causing more pain to his opponent he's like oh, okay the leverage I'm telling you you can't contend with it uh um, hold it
0: yeah i I just I I thought it was neat you know he's firing back you're not you're not we're not seeing this. This absurd series of false finishes or anything like that. No, we see the distraction, and as we're seeing the distraction, here's where we see where Thunderfoot gets his name, and he gets a breather. He creates some distance, and as the referee's back is turned and he's trying to to settle the uh, the dispute between JJ Dillon and and Billy Jack Haynes, we see Thunderfoot loading the boot. As Shivani says, it he's loading the boot, and which he is tapping his the toe of the all black boot on the mat, and he's tapping it, which I can only imagine means he's knocking the metal piece that's in his boot down towards the toe area. Um, yes, he's kicking the he's kind of knocking his toes on the mat, and 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 this is when Manny Fernandez has had enough. As a, Finally. As, a, as a friendly spectator. And he goes down there and stooges off old Thunderfoot and lets the ref know, hey, he's loading his boot. To which, I I loved this. To which Thunderfoot then quickly reverses, said uh, he starts unloading the boot and starts knocking his heel on the mat to get the metal yes. back down to the back of his boot uh, just in case the ref were to check his toes, which he should have done early on, right? Um, yeah. And Shivani has uh, the line of the match, right, where he's going, <laughs> get, he's getting rid of the load. He's now, he gets rid of the load. After he had loaded the boot, get rid of the load. So Thunderfoot <laughs> is getting rid of the load here, uh, <laughs> but his own distraction causes him to get rolled up by Billy Jack Haynes. One, two. Three. match is over. I So slip in and get the pin on Thunderfoot. Now, right now, we're watching Thunderfoot, after he had loaded the boot, get rid of the load. And Billy Jack rolls him off. The winner on our Super Station Championship Challenge Series, Billy Jack Haynes. Babyface is successful. Um, We had some some heel interference from J.J. Dillon, and then we had their comeuppance here as the Raging Bull Manifernators came down to Let the ref know, hey, hey, hey! You know he is loading up the boot, and now he is unloading the boot. But nope, schoolboy one, two, three. Billy Jack Haynes is your winner. And as you mentioned, we are then um, brought into a live post match interview, which I am a huge fan of, by the way. I think post match interviews need to be utilized um, at every at every opportunity because you know it, it really it catches the the wrestlers as live as they can be and they, they've got the yeah. adrenaline going and they don't really need to think about you know what they're supposed to say or what the, you know they just it, it's a very raw kind of kind of thing and I, I really enjoy that and then we also learn that that's why billy jack haynes has the organ across his his rear um across his is Jean-Claude, um, because his father's in the hospital and he wanted him to know that he's thinking about him and he's always with him in spirit. And so that was a pretty neat, touching little uh, babyface uh, tribute point to the to the post-match interview. Now, did you get the impression here that, like, Manny Fernandez keeps saying, like, we should be a team, like, we would be a team and we will really rock it. and Like, you know, you better watch out you know, Anderson's and like, nah, 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 nah. um, and then Billy Jack Haynes is kind of like, well, yeah, you know, and like, I've actually got my partner. Uh, I'm trying to remember who he said.
1: I think it was Wahoo McDaniel.
0: Yeah, Wahoo McDaniel. That's right. That's right. Who <laughs> I think brought him into the territory, uh, initially. Uh, because
1: this was the hype up, uh, Starcade 85, I believe. Yes.
0: Yes. So it's, it's kind of comical, uh there's a slight disregard to this uh this fantasy team that uh Manny Fernandez keeps kind of alluding to and Billy Jack and he's like well I've got my partner Walker McDaniel, Daniel and you know we're gonna show you guys what it's all about like coming up you know so uh
1: yeah because he keeps touting him like he's my my good friend my good friend right and Billy Jack kind of doesn't Doesn't blow him off, but he doesn't really give him a whole lot of like, yeah, it's bro love, you know,
0: kind of strange, yeah. Um, and it doesn't seem like anything like as if they were setting up an angle, not that I recall. Um,
1: yeah, because I got the sense I'm like, oh, this is where Manny's gonna keep saying that and he's gonna get jealous and turn on him, but I, I mean, I'm not too familiar with Manny Fernandez,
0: yeah um yeah I mean he he had his success in the Carolinas
1: like he was for sure
0: definitely a, a main player for a bit um but nonetheless you know fun fun match um had so many elements of what I love about pro wrestling and uh in the end it, it wraps itself up as a nice little morality play right when it's like <laughs> the cheaters never win you know what I mean it backfires And oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so but boy, that that loading and then (laughs) unloading of the boot just gets me. I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I thought it was hilarious. So, um, yeah, fun, fun little match, you know, Um, very enjoyable. And so then I was kind of perusing uh, 1985 and thought, you know
1: what? Yeah, go ahead. Before you get it before you get into that really quick, I was just going to say um,
0: oh, thunderfoot.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so a couple things that I think w- are worth noting is the fact that when they cut to commercial a couple times or the one time, they use the weirdest like uh freeze frame photo of JJ Dillon oh. like side profile. Oh. It, you know, they're like, "We'll be right back with this killer bumper music by the way. The music is amazing. The music for championship wrestling is so great. But it's like the most awkward hot take photos that they just had. They're like, just, just go with what we got, you know? Right. And I thought that was funny too, because in watching
0: the match, see that part in the match where JJ Dylan's watching his, um, you know, his Thunderfoot competitor uh, kind of getting yeah. up. Um, And I, I couldn't help but think that JJ Dylan had this look on his face, like as if he was just thinking to himself, like, what the hell is this Thunderfoot garbage? Like, this isn't going to go anywhere. This is so stupid.
1: You know what I mean? Right, right. So disappointed that he's associated with this gimmick. Uh, Because the horsemen hadn't been formed yet, right? The horsemen had yet to be formed. They were about to be formed, I believe, right? I think you're right. So that that makes sense that he's kind of like this Bobby Heenan-esque manager. right. And, and and yeah, that that was ridiculous. And then yeah, obviously Manny with his uh, you know, not helping but talking about how much he loves his buddy. <laughs> um, and then I noticed, like, it looked like Billy Jack was about to put him in the full Nelson. Right. And I'm assuming that, that was Nelson, his like
0: around the waist. He grabbed him as well. I don't know what he was gonna yeah do.
1: dance with him for a minute. No.
0: Um Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe the uh maybe the old uh patriot slam uncle slam or whatever that thing was called
1: well the uncle slam <laughs> half mooner in into a big slam kind of deal I do I did I did love this match though strictly from the standpoint that it was so unexpected right you know and and I'm like oh who's the guy under the mask it's got to be a horseman. Like I'm thinking, oh, it's it's is that Barry Wyndham or you know, at the time it was the original four, which was Ole and Arn and Rick and um Tully, but they had not been formed yet. And I know that this this was this was kind of setting up Starcade with the return of Dusty. Um uh, there's a cool little moment right before this match where they're kind of retelling how Dusty was injured and now he's gonna be able to wrestle flair at Starcade, right? That was all great stuff. Uh, but the minute I see Paul's message to me saying this is my match, <laughs> Billy Jack Haynes versus Thunderfoot, I'm like, did 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 uh, T nine like mess up his spelling when he was t- texting it? Was it supposed to be like thunderstruck or something? And it is Thunderfoot, and I'm like, oh god, this brought back memories to me because I went to Taos, New Mexico. I worked on the Pueblo in Taos, New Mexico, and, and spent a lot of time in Taos and with the uh, indigenous. Uh, tribe that lives on the land there and really special stuff. I've talked about it before on previous episodes, but, um, uh, I, one of my first summers I went out to Taos. I went out with uh, a couple, my, my former, uh, girlfriend at the time. And I went out with a couple and, um, we, the, we went up to the mountain in Taos. The Taos mountain is beautiful, right? Super high elevation. Get up there and we find a waterfall. And the two of us start climbing the waterfall barefoot, you know. And then uh, we we hear thunder in the distance and we see lightning maybe, I don't know, 100 feet away. And we're like, oh, shit, time to go. <laughs> so we climb down the mountain. He was really, you know, booking it up the mountain. He comes down. We escape narrowly. The rain just starts hitting us out of nowhere. Flash, uh, lightning storm. We luckily got down the mountain in time before nothing serious happened. And we go to the local diner for a bite. And I said, man, you were really trekking, Thunderfoot. And he goes, what did you say? And I go, Thunderfoot. you know. And he's like, I don't take kindly to nicknames. I barely knew this dude. And I'm like, oh okay i said i meant it in an endearing way the other couple sorry the other other couple or yeah the 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 boyfriend of the other couple you know and his his girlfriend looks super uncomfortable and he's like yes he didn't take common nicknames
2: no one as badass as thunderfoot i know i'm like that's a good nickname dude i meant it in dear i said i said well dude i i
1: meant it in a good way (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh <my> know? God. <laughs> and he goes, when I was a child, my one leg was born shorter than the other. No. And over the course of several years, I had my leg extended. And, you know, a, a quarter of an inch at a time, surgery after surgery, I was teased. I was made fun of. And I'm like, you, I did clearly did not know how that. How did you know that? <laughs> Thunderfoot. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: No, there's another, uh, Portland wrestler who went by the name Scotty, the body, who yeah, Scotty, the body eyes as Raven today. And Scotty Flamingo. Yeah. He was always rumored to have one foot longer than the other as well.
1: I believe I saw, I've seen matches when as Raven, he had a boot that looked like he had an extra two inches on one side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I guess it's not that uncommon. Um, i had a student that had the same deal but i doubt he carried this well who knows that was that who knows he's like that kid's probably 20 now uh it, he i don't think that kid was teased but that's a pretty badass nickname like if you well, i think it is right
0: i mean that's that's a great way to cover up a a weird a weird kind of foot deficiency thing is like, <laughs> i don't know i i love it hey um,
1: I, I tend thank you. I appreciate that. I tend to give only cool nicknames. So I agree. Yeah, as you should. Um <laughs> could have called him Droopy Dog and you made it down the hill. <laughs> foot, you know, or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyways,
0: yeah. <laughs> Did you visit Dennis Hopper's grave when you were in Taos?
1: Did not. No, but I stayed in Georgia O'Keeffe's former home. Oh, so wow. um that was pretty beautiful and pretty awesome um yeah i did not visit his grave i don't think he had pa- he hadn't passed at that point oh that makes sense okay we're going we're going back to like 2000 i want to say two or 2003. oh yeah no then he
0: was he was probably uh prepping for land of the dead or something um
1: <laughs> right oh man
0: sure. yeah but uh toss is great man that's that's a really funny story
1: Taos is a gem if if anyone ever heads out to Taos, uh Michael's kitchen is one of the best that's <laughs> funny the guy's name is Michael uh Michael's kitchen is one of the best diners his
0: name is Michael yeah about <laughs> oh, the same guy
1: nope <laughs> not michael p s Hayes either so uh oh
0: thank goodness <laughs> yeah. yeah if
1: that was the case then uh you know who knows what would have happened to my girlfriend at the time so
0: yeah check out Michael's kitchen is it downtown in the square of the pe- the pueblo there?
1: It, uh, it's it, Michael's Kitchen is on the main drag in, in downtown Taos. Uh, the, the Pueblo has been there for over two thousand years. It's like one of the few landmarks in our country that's still standing. And the special thing about it is, you know, the 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 Spanish came in and the Taosanos fought against them, and and uh, they kind of formed like an alliance. They worked ended up working together, and then the United States United States military rolls in. And the Spanish and the Tausanios fought them off and got them away from their land. Oh, wow. And their sacred mountain, their blue mountain, one of the few good things that Richard Nixon did, because it was acquired by the United States military or uh, government, he gave it back to them when he was in office. Oh, wow. Around the same time he formed the EPA, believe it or not. So um, Nixon did do some fairly good things as well. So yeah. – <laughs> That Was one of them, but anyways, their sacred blue mountain is where their ancestors go when they pass, and uh, and I was able to go up there. Very special. I could tell you stories, man. I could oh, tell you stories offline of things I, I, I did in Taos. I love Taos, there's
0: such a sacred um energy to the ground, to just to the, the ground, the dirt. I mean, everything yeah. just has such an, an energy to it that I really really loved going there and
1: uh they call it the taos hum actually because oh. you can hear it and feel it yeah
0: yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense um yeah that's that's well you know you know going back to hopper that's where he lived for many years after easy rider and he lived in the dodge llewellyn house and uh ended up buying the cinema. I'm trying to remember what the name of the little cinema house was, but he's buried in Rancho de Taos, which is just uh, on the outskirts yep. of the house. But anyways, that's it's beautiful, by the way. Yeah. He was living there um, when he had just completed filming the last movie. And so he would edit it at this little cinema um I think during the week and then he would play cartoons for the kids in the village for free on the weekends or something. Um, but that's awesome. Where, that's where he edited the last movie and then turned in his cut. That was 40 hours long. <laughs> and the studio was like, uh, how much cocaine did y'all do in Peru when you were making, pizza? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, how we said carte blanche. We didn't mean it. We, we take it all back. You were out of your mind. You are officially blacklisted from Hollywood for a while,
1: right? Um, for a little while, for sure. Back
0: with Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two for canon
1: later on in life, and crushed it, absolutely crushed it. One of the best sequels. I, agree. I can't say it's better. I can't say it's better because it's totally different. It is a different. Se- it's like Alien and Aliens. Right, Texas right. Chainsaw is literally what it is.
0: Right, right. Toby Hooper had himself a laugh. Yeah, oh my God.
2: Speaking
1: of cinema. Yeah. So back to
0: 1985.
2: 1985.
0: Uh, can you guess what the number one movie at the box office was at this time?
1: <laughs> oh, shit, Is this like our, our repeat of our uh, right. yeah. trivia I'm, I'm, contest? We had an, on... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say back to the future. 1985. Close. Uh, although back to the
0: future was number five at the time. Oh,
1: yeah. So this is November. You're talking November of eighty five? Yeah, this is November of eighty-five. Hmm. Um not Gremlins, right? No, but I'll give you a hint. That was eighty-four. The
0: number one movie was the fourth film in this series.
1: Really? Friday the thirteenth? I wish. No. Unfortunately. Yeah. Fourth film in the series? Superman Four? <laughs> Oh no! Come on! <laughs> Fourth film in the series. Wow, Nightmare! In, no Nightmare on Elm Street, nineteen eighty-five. It's too soon. Um, Nightmare
0: on Elm Street Part Two: Freddy's Revenge was number ten. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yes, I have the I have the ten the top ten uh, listed here. Uh I'll give you a hint. This will be- oh Police Academy Four. <laughs> come on! Now you just. Now you're just throwing in the towel I'm trying man you're you're loading up the wrong you're now you're unloading the boot on purpose uh, <laughs> he's unloading his boot <laughs> yeah uh we had I'll just put it this way we had an iconic film which pitted America versus Russia
1: a oh, rocky four
0: Rocky four was number one at the box office
1: yes that was like celebrate Thanksgiving go see yeah. Rocky four
0: be proud to be an American Uh, living in America James Brown Um, yeah the second number two at the box office was the third of this film series and starred a canon mainstay I'll say
1: that Death Wish 3 yes Death Wish Three with Charlie Branson. That's right. goddamn
0: Branson. Yeah, So I'll just list them off. So yeah, we had Rocky Four was at the top of the box office, followed by Death Wish Three, followed by Jagged Edge at number three,
1: starring Jeff Bridges and Glenn Close.
0: Oh wow, okay, yeah, that one I wasn't as familiar with. Uh, number four was To Live and Die in L.A. One of the best
1: soundtracks of all time by Wang Chung.
0: Seriously, and still very foretelling of modern times.
1: Yep, Um, love that movie. Then
0: we had your Back to the Future at five.
1: Which is wild because I think it came out in the summertime.
0: Probably, yeah, but it had stayed in the top ten throughout, right? Um, And then at number six, there was a movie called Target, which I was not familiar with.
1: I believe Target is with um, Matt Dillon and maybe gene hackman uh it's like a spy espionage movie Thanks. yeah i think i think that's what it is and i was not i'm not i'm not this is a hot take but i'm not a really big fan of matt dillon unless it's something about mary well yeah later matt dillon later like self uh you know not self-conscious wanting to be cool all the time matt dillon
0: right 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 yeah Post or yeah, pre wild things, Matt Dillon. Um, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, number seven was Commando, the ever quotable Commando, right? Classic,
1: classic Father's Day film. What
0: is a top 10 without Schwarzenegger? Right. Um, number eight
1: was King Solomon's Minds with, um, what is his face from uh, oh, Alan Quartermain Yeah, Richard Chamberlain, and- right? Richard Chamberlain, yeah,
0: right. Uh, and then at number nine, we had the ever so young Jim Carrey. Once Bitten, once bitten. That's it. Once bit great movie, and then not great, it it's a fun movie. It is so fun, I really enjoy that film. Um, yeah, and then we had Freddy's Revenge, Nightmare on Elm Street, part two, uh, rounding it off at number 10. So,
1: wow, which was which is way ahead of its time as far as uh, you know, dealing with homosexual undertones right, and...
0: right absolutely that is considered the gay freddy uh, film which i mean it
1: is it's totally on its own completely yeah it's it... the 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 female actor in um in once bitten i believe her name's karen karen something karen coppins or something like that uh she was also in jake speed okay see it wraps around it all makes sense i knew you'd find a way to
0: keep it connected <laughs> You're so mousy. <laughs> I am. And that is 1985, November 9th, 1985, Billy Jack Haynes versus Thunderfoot for NWA Crockett promotions.
1: Wow. What a whirlwind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's slightly different. Mine's slightly different. It's slightly. Um but the connection being Lightning Bolts. Yes. And I guess Jim Crockett, too, because this is an interesting story. Uh, we'll just get into my match, right?
0: Let's do Let's it. do it. Let's do jump in with
1: Lightning Bolts. My match is the Lightning Express versus the Manster, Rick Steiner, and, quote, Every Man's Nightmare, Sting, ah. with Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert. How hot of a take is that to hear... Every Man's Nightmare, Sting, and Manster, Rick Steiner, right? This is from the UWF, June 6, 1987, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I'm sure we'll talk more about this in later episodes, but the UWF was a Bill Watts organization. It was Mid-South, and it got rebranded. Right. In 1986, by Bill Watts, it lasted about a year. <laughs> um, they tried to compete with WWF, so WWF uh, bought TV time on TBS, took their slot basically, uh, and there's lots of folk tales about this of Vince McMahon coming to Turner Broadcasting Television for a cup of coffee and doing his show, and then. Uh, so I did not know that Mid-South got rebranded as UWF. I thought it was his own territory, which it is, but it but it came out of Mid-South. That is great. For- it's not to be confused with the UWF in 1990, uh, which was a different organization, which was, uh, I believe, Herb Abrams. Right. Yes, Herb Abrams. Abrams. Ugh. Failed production. It was the one where uh, Bruno San Martino's like, the UWF is going to be great. There's no steroids at all. You're not going to see guys having heart attacks because of steroids. It's going to be clean. That's how they marketed the UWF. And you're like, whoa. Okay. Anyways. Um, so so UWF is, is around and kind of the guy who was uh, a big piece of the UWF was Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. He was a heel and his team consisted of Rick Steiner, who was a newbie at the time. He was pretty much up and coming. This is before he joined the varsity club. Uh, And he was called the Manster and he wore two different colored boots like he did as Rick Steiner, but he wore Zubaz pants shorts. (laughs) And for those of you that don't know what Zubaz shorts are or pants, um, go to our social media, go to our Instagram and I'll post some pictures of uh, Rick Steiner in his Zubaz shorts. Right. And a young, up-and-coming Steve Borden, a.k.a. Sting, who was a heel at the time. He yeah. entered the UWF with uh, Jim Helwig, uh, the Dingo Warrior, as the Blade Runners. Uh, right. But later, obviously, Jim Hellwig went to the WWF and Sting stayed, continued to be a heel, and tag-teamed with Rick. Which is wild. The Lightning Express, I should have got to them first. It's Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner. Uh, Tim Horner, he was in the WWF for a while. He would win jobber matches in the WWF. Like, he would wrestle other jobbers and win. That's how I was introduced to him. Uh, Little guy, uh, but so fast and so quick and just had, he kind of looked like that generic make-a-wrestler kind of dude, but he was so good. So good on his feet. Had the little lightning bolt on his uh, on his tights. Uh, his biggest kind of claim to fame was with his tag team partner, Brad Armstrong. Brad Armstrong is from the famed Armstrong family. His father, Bob Armstrong, was a wrestler. Scott Armstrong, Steve Armstrong, and of course, Jesse James, road dog, Jesse James Armstrong. Brad Armstrong, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinion, is probably the best kind of mid-card quote job wrestler around um he was no he had he wrestled under a mask a few times as arachnaman and bad street which was uh the freebirds when as the freebirds were kind of fallen they were like winding down he came in as bad street and under a mask, I'm like, why does that guy look so cool? But he's losing all the time. <laughs> I know who that. Is. Wait, that's that's Brad Armstrong. He was known as the Candyman, Brad Armstrong. A stupid gimmick. <laughs> stupid, poor, poor guy. Anyways, um, he had a lot of different names, but as the Lightning Express, he and Tim Horner were they were on fire, and they wrestled Sting and steiner who were the world who were the um the the uwf tag team champions and this is a great so i have a lot to talk about on this episode itself fully because um this episode is filled with a lot of interesting things yeah <laughs> uh it is you get the set it's like a low rent version of what the wwf was doing so well with their vignettes with their music videos they were the the uwf was really trying they just didn't have the budget or the minds behind this stuff right <laughs> um but on commentary on commentary is jim ross and magnum ta magnum ta uh in this point had he still had his arm in a sling from his injury okay right and i love how the match starts where the lightning express lightning Express, is introed with their combined weight and then when they get to sting they introduce sting and he's given his weight and they say and rick steiner <laughs> they're like first and their opponents well i'll just play the whole clip you hear it, it's hilarious because they're like and rick steiner like uh, and the other guy
0: ladies and gentlemen introducing first to my left From Marietta, Georgia and Knoxville, Tennessee, at the combined weight of 458 pounds, the Lightning Express, Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner. To my right, accompanied by Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, the current UWF World Tag Team Champions at 265 pounds, Riverman's Nightmare, Sting! This match for the UWF World Tag Team Championship special one
2: fall 30-minute time limit. Mike Wilson completes his introductions. Mike Wilson on the staff of Big Country 1170 here in Tulsa KVOO Radio. Special hello there to my good friend Billy Parker.
1: (laughs) Anyways, uh, the guy who does the announcing, apparently he's a local radio station DJ because Jim Ross shouts him out. (laughs) You know, it's like his good old buddy. Because this is JR. country, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the referee is Tommy Gilbert, which is Eddie Gilbert's dad. We are going to get to Eddie Gilbert down the road because he's got the guys legendary. Uh, his dad is the senior official. And Jim Ross kind of speculates as to the controversy around that. And I love that Jim Ross says, don't go to the refrigerator on this one because it's going to be in. It's going to be on another plane. Right. <laughs> and it is, I think you know it's it's a back and forth tight match lightning express is their name they're so quick arm drag drop kicks sting is like the big heavy he's the sting and steiner are just two meaty dudes and there a lot of a lot of bear hugs um you know choke holds and 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 just like uh a lot of like wear down moves i don't know other another way to explain it and then in between, like the first maybe 10 minutes of this match are kind of a back and forth. And then you go to a commercial. And you go to a commercial for the laser beam wristwatch.
0: Yeah, the quartz crystals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where it has electronic pulses of light, right? And because the match on the the link I sent Paul and the link we have in the show notes, it's the full episode with commercial breaks, which is so Good. fantastic for 1987. <laughs> you come back from commercial with a really weird music video. And you're like, where are we going with this? You see these dudes who look like kind of Toto-esque, and they start jamming out this song in a really odd way, and it goes into Thin Lizzy's Boys Are Back in Town, and it's Michael P.S. Hayes singing the song. Yes! Guess who just got bad today? The maravons
0: have
2: been away. Change and much to see. But man, I still think that cats are crazy. They will the ask if you were around. I was, where you could be found. Told them you were living downtown. Driving all the old men crazy. The boys are back, town. The back
1: town. They have clips of him in the ring. But all the clips are of him being an idiot. Yeah. Like, he, he falls into the ring in one point. <laughs> he gets slapped by a woman that he's coming on to. And c- cut back to him in the studio with this band singing. And he's, like, sticking his tongue out and, like, mugging for the camera. Going and, like, it. what is going on with this? There's a sign that the fans are holding up. It says, Prissy Sissy. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is going on here? It's an amazing music video. You all have to watch it. Uh, come back to the match. And, you know, very methodical textbook wrestling match. Uh, A lot of arm bars. uh, Like I said, wear down moves. And then it's announced during the match that Jim Ross says there's new rules in this match. You're allowed one save. So basically, if your partner's in a pinning predicament, you can save them one time in the match, which at the time this was a big deal, right? Because at this same time. I think the NWA still maintained the rule that if you throw your opponent over the top rope, you're disqualified. Um, automatic disqualification. Yeah, which I kind of like. I kind of like the, just the added stipulations of like making it a little bit more riskier sure. in some matches. The pacing was interesting because it would go like really fast back and forth, and then it would slow down with a rest hold you know, for a break. And I wasn't sure if that was for the betterment of Steiner and Sting. Definitely not for Lightning Express, because those guys could just keep going. At one point towards the finale of this match, was which is about a 24-minute match, Sting goes for a splash off the top rope and misses. He, well, he slips. Um, and Ross mentions that his knee might be injured at this point, which is really interesting because, as we all know, Uh, famously or infamously Sting was supposed to wrestle Flair a few years later for the title but he injured his knee coming down to the ring and that really derailed everything for several months um don't be surprised if one of their matches comes up because I love it so much so at this point he falls off the onto the ring uh Horner attack Horner and Armstrong are back and forth in this match throughout but at this point Horner is the one who's reaching for Armstrong, tags in Armstrong, a melee ensues and both guy, both, all four wrestlers are going at it. At one point, Tommy Gilbert is distracted by Horner and Steiner. And that's when Eddie Gilbert gets in the ring with his boot, takes off his cowboy boot and he's got his cowboy boots outside of his pants. So his pants are tucked into his boots. That's always a bad sign. That's a, a good heel would hey, that's a badass way to wear it. That's the style. Is it really? Oh yeah. We, all you pants. would know. You would know. You're from you're from uh, Texas, so. I mean even yeah,
0: warrior everyone wore that that style caravan Eric. Everyone had the the bleached jeans tucked into the the cowboy boot, man. You know.
1: That's true. And but he had suspenders on. That's true. instead of yeah. instead and now I don't I'm not a big suspender guy. Yeah. <laughs> but so uh Eddie Gilbert goes for the heel move to hit uh, Armstrong with his boot, but he misses and he hits Sting instead, knocking Sting out. Uh. Armstrong goes for the pin, gets the one, two, three, and the Lightning Express win the UWF. Tag team titles.
2: And now Horner knocking Steiner back outside. And what's this? What's Eddie Gilbert up to now? Now, as if his men can't control the battle, now he's in there. And now Turner around. Oh. Unbelievable. Eddie hey, Gilbert's gone to the floor. He's knocked his own man senseless. We've got. it We've got a one-two-three. I got
0: Gilbert's plan
2: backfired at what we have right here on the Universal Wrestling Federation. as you are looking at the new World Tag Team Champions, the Lightning
1: Express,
0: they're going to the throne room. The trophy case will be filled with championship belts. What an unbelievable matchup this has been. The action has been fast pace, grueling from the very beginning. Everybody is on their feet here in this arena. This is the most exciting match I've ever witnessed. ringside in my whole entire life. New World
2: Tag Team Champions right here. Brad Armstrong, Tim Horner, the Lightning Express has definitely made their mark here in the Universal Wrestling Federation. Horner John... and Armstrong. I'll Amen. tell you what, Horner's jubilation here Universal Universal Wrestling Federation. The young men, they said, Jim, we just want a chance. We just want
0: a chance to go for it. They have gone all the way. Horner and Armstrong have gone the distance, and they are the new UWF World Tag Team Champions, and we've got more coming your way after this timeout.
1: A bunch of wrestlers come out from the back, uh, many of who I don't recognize. One of them, though, is Steve Cox, and the only reason I bring that up is uh, Steve Cox was... um, uh kind of shoved down our throats as being like a really like the next big thing i even have uh an eight by ten photo in a in a world i have a bunch of world-class uh programs right like uh stadium programs and there's a bunch of eight by ten photos of him in those programs <laughs>
0: like, why? you gotta get rid of these
1: you gotta it's a big win for the lightning express. It would be their only title win. Sadly enough, they, they would uh, continue to wrestle, uh, you know, obviously Armstrong and Horner would go on to wrestle in the NWA and WCW. And at one point they were brought back together as a tag team. They were kind of, they would job out a lot, unfortunately. Um, but this was their shining moment. This is maybe their biggest moment ever. Unfortunately, um, Uh, Brad Armstrong's no longer with us, but, uh, Tim Horner is, he's like a congressman or like city commissioner. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. In his hometown, I believe. Um, his hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee in his, in the Hambling County, he's a commissioner from the 13th district. So God bless him. He's still, uh, doing his thing. He was known as star blazer and Kendo the samurai, by the way, Oh, I'm probably under a mask. Uh, but this was their big win. There was this. There, this was their big moment. Uh, this would start the storyline of Sting turning face, and Sting would eventually uh, win the television title uh, after the UWF was absorbed by the NWA and uh, World Championship Wrestling, et cetera, et cetera. About a year later, actually, um, 1980. Wow. Or maybe the same year, uh, this the UWF pretty much dissolved and became, you know, a part of Jim Crockett Promotions. Jim Crockett bought them, and 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 the rest is history. For sadly, the UWF, but the match is, is pretty wild, and I'm really curious about your take. What's your take on the Lightning Express versus the Manster, Rick Steiner, and sting every man's nightmare man the manster not to be confused with the man which uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and jim ross by the way calls him the manster in the match he's like he's the manster and i'm like
0: yeah he's really trying to Jay? get over isn't he Um, yeah you know say what you will about jim ross i mean he really has a way to to just add so much excitement and knowledge
1: especially 80s jim ross
0: yeah yeah he was really great i think and i don't know maybe it was cuz he was you know in oklahoma and he just had that extra juice going on him um knowing like i'll make it home tonight um right and uh but yeah i thought it was pretty interesting you know early on they 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 stressed you know the Tommy gilbert as the referee and his his dastardly son on the outside and jim ross is you know why don't you just send him to the back just
1: send him to the back you know and that didn't happen um right so Eddie Gilbert even comes over and, and talks to Jim Ross and Magnum TA at one point. Oh, that's right. About how messed up this match is and the rules and everything.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was really surprised when he sent it to me. I was like, he'll sting. Okay. Like this is, different. yeah. Um, a really good friend of mine, actually, uh, his name's Rick Bassman. He's the one who discovered, um, Steve Borden and Jim Howig, uh, as they became the Blade Runners, he was like their first manager.
1: So, wow, weren't they in WCCW for world class initially and then they moved over to UWS
0: where he was, yeah, Dingo Warrior, uh, yeah, and then yeah, the Blade Runners, and uh, wow, pretty cool, yeah. Um, I'll actually be working with Rick in September on our very big show, which I will reveal more about um as my passport clears itself. Um
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't I, don't I say too much just yet. Um yeah, I was really impressed with it. I was, you know, this is um I, I think you hit it on the head. I mean I had worked briefly with Tim Horner at WWE when he came in as a producer for a short amount of time. They brought him in um, as an agent and um, I don't feel like he got a fair shake because we all liked him he was, always, he was a really nice guy and, and helpful but I feel like he uh, didn't didn't feel like he had the leeway to really assert himself hmm. like he was fearful he might step on some toes or so I don't really know what what, what the situation ended up being Um, But we all liked him. We thought he was a really good guy and had really good knowledge. Um, And then, you know, obviously we worked with Scott Armstrong. He was another uh, agent at the time. Um, I don't know that I ever met Brad, uh, but I always marveled at his glorious mullet. I thought he had one of the greatest mullets in professional wrestling history.
1: I totally agree, and it—it it was his mullet and the way he punched, the way he threw his punches. Yes, he had this. It was almost like a slap punch, but it looked so. It—it it was so fluid. Right. The way he moved,
0: he was always in the best shape. I think he was the best shape in the best shape of all. Totally. Of um, nothing against Bullet Bob, who was great in great shape uh, for his age, especially. But, um, but yeah, I think you—I think you touched on it earlier where. You know initially it it does start off a little slow uh there's some back and forth and uh pretty solid tag team match overall Um, yeah but i do think that you know you obviously had the veterans kind of leading the the young or the younger newer uh more jacked and potentially dangerous uh wrestlers (laughs)
1: Yeah, because Rick Steiner hits some of those signature moves that he's known for, clothesline wise, and you're yeah. like, dude, you're gonna hurt somebody with yeah. that. Yeah, and he also has mismatching knee pads in addition to the. Yes. Yeah,
0: it's a weird. It's a weird outfit. It's a bit of a throw together. You wonder if his gear got lost at the airport. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's um, I enjoyed the match. You know, um, I did get a kick out of Sting. It's as though he's jumping up to the second rope as if he was going to turn into a cross body. Yeah. And his foot slips off the second rope and he takes a tumble. And, you know, happens to the best of us. Yeah. Certainly happens to the worst of us, but definitely happens to the best of us.
1: I think it's covered fairly well, by the way. But I think...
0: I, I love those moments in a professional wrestling match because it immediately becomes as real as possible. Yes. Um, you know, and it's a real testament to the guys you're in there with on how they cover it um, or how they will expose it if they're inexperienced. And so obviously right, staying in Rick Steiner had the benefit of being in there with uh, two veterans who who could cover it well and uh yeah i just really enjoyed it you know especially as having been a tag team wrestler i really enjoyed um especially like uh brad armstrong coming in with the house of fire and i felt like you know the heel team did a good job of kind of cutting the ring in half and and doing that thing i liked that you know eddie gilbert didn't really he was there and you knew he was there but he didn't quite he didn't get over involved, yeah. uh, you know, and, and that helps because then when he really does get involved, it means so much more, right? Um, because right. sitting here thinking like, oh, I'm waiting for this guy to like get involved. Like why? I'm surprised he doesn't get involved. Oh, like this is true it wait, okay, he's gonna cheat here. No, he's still not getting really involved and it's like, okay, here it comes, big boot we go oh it backfired again morality play right which uh um, right. pro wrestling at its finest is is a nice little morality play
1: i appreciate that though because it makes it that much more important when he does interfere sure like, he has faith in his team and at that point he realizes his team's not going to get the job done and he needs to get it done for them
0: right right are you saying jj Dillon didn't have all the faith in the world in thunderfoot <laughs>
1: Sadly. Sorry. Sorry, Thunder. Um, I don't take kindly to nicknames.
0: Yeah. What was, would you say Tim Hortons or Tim Horners? Not to be confused with Timmy Hortons for our Canadian listeners. Uh, not related. Tim Horner does not own a donut shop.
1: No, Tim Horner does not. Uh, what was his,
0: like, space
1: binder or what was? Starblazer and oh. Kendo the Samurai. Starblazer, that's a badass gimmick. I mean, I think that's pretty
0: badass, actually. (laughs) I don't. I mean, you should have. You should have called all Michael. You should have been like, "Well, if you don't like Thunderfoot, what about (laughs) Starblazer?"
1: Sure beats Candyman. Oh yeah, Brad Armstrong. Oh yeah, Candyman. Actually, uh, Brad Armstrong's other aliases, his other ring names: Buzzkill, Dos Ombres. Fantasia, Freedom Fighter, Mister R, and Armstrong's Avenger. Oh, and Ba Ba, of course.
0: Badass. <laughs> uh, you sure Armstrong's Towing isn't in there somewhere? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Armstrong's Plumbing. He was trained by his dad, by the way. Bob Armstrong. Tim uh, Tim was trained by Jack Jack and Jerry Briscoe and Rick Connors. Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a really textbook tag team match uh the crowd is hot throughout so
1: hot so hot
0: so hot
1: um (laughs) and
0: uh yeah i really enjoyed it it was really refreshing to see sting um not just so early on in his career but as a heel Uh, i'm partial to joker sting much later on in his career Uh, how dare you
1: that's my, <laughs> what that's why no it's not I swear
0: are you serious that's my favorite thing because it God. just it's so it just seems so <laughs> obvious that he stayed up late after midnight mass or something and uh, was flipping through the channels and stumbled upon the dark night <laughs> and just this giant light bulb went off in his head he was like how has nobody ever done this You know, and I feel like it was, you know, a good five years after the Dark Knight had come out. I was like, this is, how has nobody jumped on this? This is perfect. This (laughs) This is is perfect. perfect. Yeah. And I feel like he had the same kind of epiphany after watching The Crow um, as well. Yes. So the Joker sting is, how can you not? It's it's amazing. Come on. Oh, come Come on. Seriously. I mean, like, direct, direct quotes. And everything like he has no shame. It's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um,
1: I I appreciate that you love it. This is, <laughs> but he'll always be Surfer Sting to me.
0: Damn, damn, damn. Rat tail. Yes, In of Heather course. Park, rat tail. Come yeah. on. oh no. Oh.
1: With RoboCop, he he tag team with RoboCop.
0: <laughs> That's true. That is that's a tough that's a tough one to beat.
1: We may need to do a gimmick match when we get to October, we may need to do gimmick matches for October.
0: Oh, we're definitely doing trick gimmick or, matches.
1: We could do trick or treat, and it can either be it could either be like a swerve match or it can be a just a full on uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> gimmick match. Yeah, but we can't pick Yetay. No, and we can't do the ding dongs. Can't do the ding dongs. <laughs> so. yeah, and that's because it's got to stay. It's got to stay within our wheelhouse. Got to stay within within our
0: wheelhouse. That's true. We're we're soaking up the '80s here.
1: I was gonna say too about Sting at this stage of his career. It is interesting to see what would become. Like he 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 seems green. He seems fairly green. Oh. However you see what he like. The crowd is hot for him. The crowd still loves him.
0: Yeah, that's true. There. Yeah. He just has a visual charisma um, mm-hmm. to him, a presence for sure. Even though I think all four people in this match have a presence of their own. Um, Tim Horner, probably the least of the four. Um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, slightly generic, but still a solid, solid worker who, um, definitely knows what he's doing.
1: Um, but I, if... I love him and don't get me wrong. I, I say generic, but I love him in the most way. Like those two guys right. I loved.
0: Yeah. I mean that, that, that really works too for the territories because they're relatable, they're very relatable, yeah. you know, and that's, I think they're guys that the audience look at and be like, I know someone just like him or he reminds me of your Uncle Jed or like, you know, whoever it might be. And Are you sure he doesn't have a towing company? Because he looks awesome <laughs> Um
1: Isn't it called Starblazer towing or something? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Calm down, Thunder. I mean, Blake. look, look, I, we are going to get to uh, flying Brian Pillman uh, in the 80s because I loved i don't it was just as a kid i love the guy that looked like the hero he just sure. looked like that luke skywalker type you know and um i don't know it's so funny because my son loves he loves the villain looking dude you know really colorful and yeah and i'm like but don't you like the good guy Oh, um, i'm like okay oh might have a heel turn on your hands I know I don't know could have a ying to that yang you know I guess so. <laughs> yeah
0: it was just a fun match very fun tag team match uh lots of great work from both sides um and uh and for all you sting lovers out there it's a real nice um throwback to sting before he really
1: blew up you know when he blew up as the joker
0: <laughs> I think so It's it's showtime.
1: Yeah. It's like
0: a dog running after cars or whatever the hell he. Well,
1: I I will give him tremendous credit for that, though, because he he went a direction I did not expect in TNA. Sure. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, he's still going. He's still going. Sure is.
0: So I think he's in his 60s and he's still going. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Um, um, it's where Scott Steiner was at this time in life.
1: So I don't think Scott. So Scotty hadn't come into the fold just yet. I think he didn't come in. And I, it's so interesting because I'm like the the Steiners were around in the. Mid-80s, right? No, they didn't premiere until, I think, like 1988. Wow. I don't think they made their—I uh, don't think Scott arrived until—because I believe it was the Guts and Glory pay-per-view—sorry, Uh, sorry, Clash that we talked about before with the Funk-Steamboat match. Right. Um, I believe that was one of the first appearances of Scott Steiner. Okay. Where Rick had recently—because they wrestled the Varsity Club. Rick had just left the Varsity Club. Uh, I believe he came into the NWA with hot stuff and Missy, but then he joined Kevin and the varsity club, Nice man, what a faction that was. Um, and then soon after, I think it was like 88 feel like it's 88 when Scott started, but obviously we will cover the Steiners at some point. Um, I almost picked one of their matches for this, but, uh, we'll get to Scotty when they were in their heyday.
0: Right, No, this was a solid pick. I really enjoyed it,
1: so I'm glad I wanted to go a little outside the box. Oh you did as you did with your Thunderfoot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I've got three facts from the eight from 1987 that are all somewhat uh, connected. 1987 was a great year for movies, but also a great year for movie soundtracks. In June of '87, the La Bomba soundtrack came out. Oh, wow. Featuring Los Lobos on many tracks. But also Marshall Crenshaw as Buddy Holly, uh Brian Setzer. It's actually one one of my favorite soundtracks of all time is the La Bamba soundtrack.
0: Yeah. It's great. I thought you were gonna
1: say uh what does he say? What is that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's Richie's brother say? Morales Where he's like, What was there to say? It's not my first. Or my Red
0: Not that famous line.
1: Classic. So good in that. Eastside Morales is really the standout. I mean, that movie is, is, is groundbreaking. Sure. Uh, I think I saw it twice in the theater, but I love me some La Bamba and the soundtrack. Uh, the same week that this match premiered, The Untouchables came out in the theater. Brian okay. De Palma's The Untouchables with a young Kevin Costner.
0: Wow. Kevin
1: Costner, Robert De Niro, Sean Connery, um, uh, Andy Garcia. Yeah, I mean, come on, like that is Billy Drago. Uh, You know, it's iconic, gangster. Ennio Morricone did the soundtrack for that. Can't compare. He's amazing. Neo Morricone's soundtrack to the, the untouchables that didn't, so good. Uh,
0: I'm going to have to revisit that one. Did you see it in the theater? Uh, no, I would have been seven. And I think I was more concerned with seeing Masters of the universe.
1: Possibly fair. I saw so many movies that I probably should not have seen. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Dustin and I have said 1987 might might be the best year for 80s movies, the most underrated. Really? Um, yeah, I think so. Is that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3? I believe so. Right. But think about it. Like, North Shore came out that year. North Summer school.
0: school. Howley. Beat it, Cook. you
1: mainlander. Beat it, Howley. <laughs> Last thing I'll say about 1987, uh, there were a lot of great video games that came out that year, and I know we'll cover other 87 matches, but I will say the video game Contra came out in
0: 1987. Oh, man, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, ABAB, Slug, Start.
1: One of the iconic theme songs limited
0: guys unlimited players for those oh,
1: so uh, good
0: it's not nuts you can remember a, a cheat code to a video game from 87 i mean it's similar to like remembering certain friends phone numbers you know yeah you're like your ex's phone numbers or something like for you young listeners you gen zers gen uh, millennials uh we had to memorize a lot of these phone numbers. We had to either write right. them down or memorize them. And when you got to what was known as a pay phone, you had to throw in a quarter or call collect and hope that your friends would answer. Um, and uh, and if you happen to not hang up in time and you got the answering machine, well, you lost your quarter. I'm letting you know right now, but you had to memorize these phone numbers. So you spoiled little brats i'm just gonna say that right now with your foggy lame memories because you couldn't remember these numbers believe me it was a skill it was a skill (laughs) like tag team wrestling like loading your boot okay like growing a curly wonderful tennessee waterfall mullet
1: oh the best it was a permed waterfall mullet it was guys Go look at the image I posted for this episode. It is Brad Armstrong, BA personifies his image, Bad Badass Bad
0: ass to the was, to the max. Uh, BA Barakas stood for right, uh,
1: Mr. But it did, yeah, it did. And then my brother's like, "No, it stands for bare ass." And then he'd that was he'd dumb flash it. come
0: on,
2: it was, it was. Hey, do you want to see? Do you want to see? Yeah, I'll do it again. Please, Mr. Golan, Mr. Globus, I really have
0: come to this country. I really want to be an action star. We think you need to have more sex appeal. You cannot just be splits guy and karate guy. I will think of something. I really think maybe my audience would like to see my bare ass. What do you think? Okay, we try it in uh, Lionheart. We'll give it a shot.
2: Yeah. Go, go. Put on this uh, singlet that uh, will later be popularized by uh, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. <laughs> go put it on. Who's Who's Kurt? Who's Kurt? Who, is this someone I need to look out for? Is it Kurt McKinney from uh, No Retreat, No Surrender? Because that guy, you know, that guy, he's dangerous.
0: He's, and he's hungry. He's filming the last Kumite. Or they just finished filming the last
1: Kumite. I know. Enough. With this jacked-up samurai guy. Oh, this.
0: Don't give me a story on that. Anyways, yeah.
1: I know. I'm like, Cynthia, because, you know, we've had Cynthia Rothrock on the show a couple times now. She's a friend of the show. and Nice. And I'm like, Cynthia, come on.
0: Come on. Yeah. This guy. It'll be interesting. Matthias Hughes. Um
1: Love that dude. I
0: come in peace. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Made his debut in No Treat, No Surrender 2 with Cynthia Rothrock. Not her debut, but. She was in that film.
1: Sure did. Uh, Kurt, well, you know, we interviewed Kurt McKinney on the show, and uh, and he's a friend of the show as well. We have our T-shirt, of course, the the $2 late-fee T-shirt. Nice. I get better T-shirt. I, I, I get better is obviously his, you know, line from No Retreat, No Sweater. Yeah. We'll st- we're still looking for RJ. I'm trying to hunt down RJ. Man, yeah. We will get him someday.
0: He's eating an ice cream cone at the park. While somebody does (laughs) sitting on. Yeah, sitting. Yeah, you have to just go see that training montage
1: (laughs) while sitting on some guy's lap crotch. And
0: yeah, doing some.
1: I mean, that's an insane workout, though.
0: Yeah. If you guys don't think you uh, balancing yourself across your upper back and your ankles across two benches while doing uh, pelvic thrusts up and down, whilst having. Your breakdancing buddy with Jerry curls and his uh, chocolate ice cream cone, or something. What was it? I believe so. Yeah, uh, sitting right on your crotch. If you don't think that's a tough workout, then you don't know anything.
1: Okay, <laughs> try it. Then you, then you don't know Starblazer. You don't know Blazer or Tim Hortons donuts. <laughs> well, on that note. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hey, you know, this is the precursor to our upcoming month of Ruskies. The next episode of $2 Late Fee will be our Ruskies episode. Dustin's brother Lance will be joining us to talk about the 1987 film Ruskies. Um, And we have an upcoming, the star of Ruskies, Whip Hubley from Top Gun and Executive decision. He's going to be our guest that month, and we got a lot of stuff planned. So, anyways, um, go to our social media. Consider signing up for our Patreon so you can play trivia like Paul and I did the other night or the other the other month. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was so close. It was back and forth, back and forth. It was. But yeah, join our Patreon. Sign up and support the show. It would really mean a lot. And if you have signed up, thank you guys so much. Thank you all for listening. Thank you once again, Paul, for a fantastic discussion and it was my trip down memory lane.
0: Oh, uh, thank you, Zach. This is a real, this is always what I look forward to the most. And I'm always welcome to accept any kind of nicknames from you. I know that they're all in good meaning.
1: You take kindly to nicknames.
0: I do. Yeah, I do take kindly to them, actually. But, you know, there's all these great ones are are taken. I wouldn't feel right about being Thunderfoot or Stargazer.
1: Um, was it Stargazer or was Star Blazer. it oh, Starblazer? Star Maybe I could be Stargazer. Maybe <laughs> I think Stargazer is, you know, just get a a solid silver onesie and with lightning bolts on it. Yeah. And, and I'll come out with a to go.
0: telescope and uh, I'll be the Stargazer.
1: Add two inches to one boot and just be like, He's dropping a load in his boots or what is I don't know. What is it? <laughs> After he had loaded the boot, get rid of the load. He's loading the boot. He's getting a yes. load. He, he's getting lots of download there. Um, okay. Well, thanks everybody until next time. Uh, yeah. Here we go.
0: We are so thankful. Thank you all for listening. Check out these matches or you'll get some nicknames. You won't. That's right.
2: Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys
1: always win. Even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it a five-star rating? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great, too. And you can find us on the internet... Don't forget to check out our website at 2 dollars and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 2 dollars podcast. We'll see you next time. We did it.
2: You're listening to the Geekscape Network.